I'm encouraged by the fact that I get to talk to you about parenting tonight. Uh, there's really very few things that uh, light a fire under me as much as um, family, ministry, uh, parenting, and just, just things involving kids and family life. And so uh, one of the reasons that we started uh, the GodlyParent.com blog site is because uh, we wanted to help parents on a weekly basis. And so uh, as Pastor was mentioning that, um, if you'd like to, to access some of those resources, it is a free resource. And uh, every week there's new content that's uploaded uh, for you to be able to benefit from. You can subscribe to that to get that directly in your uh, inbox. But the goal there through godlyparent.com is to equip parents uh, to be the parents that their kids deserve for them to be. Uh, it's also to encourage parents and then also to help parents evaluate uh, themselves and their parenting and hopefully to cause you to think a little bit differently about some things or evaluate, hey, where am I at? What do I need to do differently? And kind of um, challenge your thinking when it comes to how we're raising our children and how we ought to raise them from a biblical perspective. Um, Deuteronomy chapter six, we'll look at that here in just a minute, but I wanna ask you, growing up, uh, did your parents ever have any memorable pieces of wisdom for you? Uh, maybe advice that they passed on to you, those things that you might consider, you know, that could be a tweetable quote or something that was a gold nugget of wisdom that if someone had to ask you, what did you learn from your parents? That would be the first thing that came to your mind. You know, I can remember it clearly as a young boy when our family would go shopping at what was uh, the Northwoods Mall in Peoria, Illinois. And on a few, few occasions, um, I would see someone outside of the mall who was smoking a cigarette. I can still remember dad leaning over to me and saying to me, son, you can smoke as many cigarettes as you want, as long as you never smoke the first one. You know, my grandpa had smoked for years. My dad didn't want that to become a habit for me uh, and he was quick to remind me of its dangers. You know, I can remember of a time when, as a teenage boy, dad said, said to me uh, along those same lines, he said, dad, he said, son, if I ever catch you smoking, you better be on fire. You know, those are conversations that seemed funny at the time, but those simple spoken words um, always stuck with me, even to this day. And I can remember with dad, um, when I was a young boy doing yard work and I would try to cut corners as most kids try to do. And I was met eyeball to eyeball with dad as he said this to me, son, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. You know, I think back often to that day in my mind and realize that not only has a phrase like that stuck with me, it's played a significant role in the shaping of my character as a man. You know, I can remember many a night when mom would come tuck me into bed and many conversations that mom and I had uh, beside the bedside and um, before I would go to sleep, we would talk. And I can remember mom praying. Um, she could talk for a long time and oh my, could she pray for a long time. How many of you uh, had a mom who could pray the house down like my mom could? And you know, I, sometimes I would just say, mom, why don't you let me pray tonight? Because I knew I could get the, the point across to God a whole lot quicker than she could. But of all the bedtime conversations I remember having, I do remember one night when mom said this to me, if God ever calls you to be in the ministry like your dad, you'll have a job more important than the president of the United States. And as a kid, you know, that seemed to be pretty big stuff to me. That seemed to, um, to, to, to help me to recognize 
the great respect and admiration that I had for my dad in his pastoral position. But at the same time, I, even though I may not have realized it at the time, I believe it planted seeds for uh, how God would use that in my own life to prepare me for ministry someday as well. And you know, as I look back on those memories, I can't help but realize the powerful impact of the investments that were made into my life as a child. Investments that had no money back guarantee for my parents. They were just good people trying to raise godly kids. And I think if we're honest, that's probably the desire of our hearts as parents here tonight as well. Our desire would be that if we have children that we're raising in our homes or that we have influence on in our lives, we don't just want to raise good kids. We want to raise godly kids. But we all understand that we're living in a very evil world. And that makes it hard to raise godly kids in such a world. So how does a parent raise godly kids in an ungodly world? What, what would that look like? Um, what does it take to be able to do that? I hope that uh, you'll be able to take some notes and remember some of the things that we share with you tonight because I think it will be helpful for you. And I trust that the Lord will give you even just one or maybe a couple nuggets of wisdom in your parenting that will help continue keeping you on the right path with your children in your home. I wanna to talk to you tonight about the power of investments into your children's lives. And I wanna share three specific investments that every parent needs to pay close attention to in order to be successful in this task of raising godly kids in an ungodly world. You know, if you've done any investing of any sort, you know that one of the primary reasons for investing is so that you would get a return on that investment, correct? And have you ever heard a parent who says this to their kid? They, they say, I have made too much of an investment in you for you to go out there and do fill in the blank, right? For you to go and blow it on. We've all felt that way as parents before, but why do parents say that? Because they have made sacrifices. We have made sacrifices, oftentimes financial sacrifices with the intent of benefiting both us and our children in the long run. And we know the pain and the regret that can be associated with making a bad investment. And that same principle is true when it comes to our children, that we are regularly making investments into our children. And it ought to be as Christian parents with this end goal in mind. The end goal of our parenting is not to raise well-behaved children, but to achieve the ultimate goal of changed hearts. And the difference between the two would be, as Christian parents, we're not trying to raise good kids, but godly kids. As Christian parents, we're not trying to raise rule followers, but Christ followers. And there's a big difference. You know, Deuteronomy 6 is one of the key parenting passages in all of the Bible, and in it we find a number of keys to successful parenting investments. And so tonight, I want to share with you three keys, or we could call them three C's, of successful parenting investments that are not only going to help you to develop uh, investments into your children, but if you follow these three things, I believe they will help you to protect the investment that you make into your children in their lives. Those three things are these, uh, character, consistency, and communication, the three C's of successful parenting that I like to call them tonight. Let's talk about the first one, uh, and that is character. Deuteronomy chapter six, and let's begin in verse number one. The Bible says, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. 
that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Go down to verse five, it says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. You know, God commanded his children, the Israelites, to teach their children his laws, his commands, and his ways so that that generation and every generation to follow would have God's blessings upon them. So God had rules for his people. We would know this now as the law. And these rules were um, something that were very important. However, we see that the emphasis from the rules in verse 1 and 2 changes to the motive behind the rules in verse 5 and 6 very quickly. And the motive behind the rules is this. He says, I want these things to be in your heart. I want you to love me with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And so God desired that his people wouldn't just be a people of commands who obey out of some type of robotic obligation, but people who have personally chosen character that comes from the heart. You know, from the time our children are born, we give them rules to follow, don't we? We expect things of them. Uh, but if we have an improper balance um, by focusing more on a child's behavior than we do on a child's heart, that can become a problem. See, we want to have charactered young people. We want to raise charactered young people. We want to raise a child who knows how to act right, how to uh, look right, talk right, behave right, choose right. We, in essence, want to raise charactered children. But in this process of trying to instill character within our children, we find that they are naturally filled with a lack of such character, aren't they? The Bible says this is called foolishness that's bound within a heart, the heart of a child. And uh, this foolishness drives them in their decision-making. They're naturally filled with impatience and unkindness and irritability and complaining and self-centeredness and arguing and blame-shifting, and the list goes on and on. They're far from filled, naturally, with character. But as a parent, it can be easy for us to sometimes just look at our kids and think to ourselves, what in the world am I doing wrong? How in the world do I have kids like this that would do such things? You know, I was on the phone with a couple of parents this past week who felt like failures because of some of the decisions that their young children had made. And I encouraged them that their desire to seek counsel and help and make sure they're going in the right direction and how they're handling these things was, in, it was indicative of their um, success in their parenting. I always tell parents, it doesn't concern me when I see your children misbehaving. So I'm not nearly as concerned with how your children behave as I am with how you respond to how your children behave. It's more important that when our children aren't doing the things that we see should be character we want them to have, it's more important that we are responding properly to their misbehavior than that we are um, worried about what people think because they're misbehaving. Listen, kids misbehave, right? If your kid doesn't misbehave, tell me what you're feeding them. I mean, give me the secret. Kids will be kids. And so don't feel like you're a failure when your kids mess up or when they embarrass you. Listen, the goal is that when they do things that are outside of the character you're trying to teach them, you respond appropriately by pulling them aside or 
pulling them close or disciplining them when necessary and helping them recognize that, hey, that's not how we do things. And when I see parents pulling their children close or taking their children out <laughs> of a public setting so they can deal with them appropriately, listen, that's encouraging to see parents respond the right way. You know, what's important to remember is something that's very easily overlooked in parenting, and that's the fact that throughout the Bible, character is connected to worship. And even with children, character is connected to worship. I think Romans chapter 1 illustrates this well. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 25, the Bible says, um, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then in verse 28, uh, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And in the next couple of verses, it goes on to share some of the things that are the result of their um, choice to, 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 to not make God the priority of their worship. All the way through verse 31, it lists multiple things that were descriptive of their character. And you look at all the character of the people uh, described in those verses, and at the root of it all, the lack of their character was because they had changed the truth of God into a lie. They had served the creature more than the creator. In other words, their behavior was stemming from their heart and who they were worshiping with their heart. And you know, the same is true in our parenting. When our kids misbehave, we're not dealing with a behavior problem as much as we're dealing with a heart problem. Because your child's heart will always be under the control and influence of something. You know, as parents, we can recognize that there is a war being waged for the control of the hearts and minds of our children. And it's important that we recognize that because the world recognizes that. And we as parents must recognize that, that there are multiple things striving for our children's worship. Either way, they will be controlled by love and worship of their, or either they will be controlled by love and worship of their creator, which is what we're trying to lead them towards, or they will be controlled by love and worship of themselves and their own selfish desires, which will come naturally. You know, the first words that kids often say are what? <laughs> we want it to be mama or papa or dada, but oftentimes it's mine or no. <laughs> And that is because their own selfish desires, their desire to be God rather than to submit to God is very naturally instilled within them. That's why the Bible reminds us in Proverbs 29, 15, that the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You know, your child was made by God to worship. And because they are a worshiper, they will worship something. However, if left to themselves, they will worship themselves or anything other than God. I was talking to a gentleman just um, a couple days ago, and he said, I have a daughter, and he says she goes to church. I, I don't often go to church, but I don't want to tell her what to believe. He says, I don't want to make any decisions for her when it comes to faith or God. I want for her to believe what she chooses to believe. And I understand the thinking behind many parents who adopt that philosophy, but what I wish that parents would recognize, including this man I was talking to, was that our children are created as worshipers, and they have been given parents to help steer them intentionally. 
towards what they will and will not worship. Now, children are not um, given to us so that they can decide for themselves how they live, what decisions they make, what they worship. But God has given them to us so that we as parents will steer them towards what they will choose in those areas. Because what controls our children's hearts shapes our children's character. And this is so very true. You know, our family uh, just over the last month started a journey that we'd been praying about for many years. And that was a journey of fostering. We'd ask God that if he opened the door, we would uh, go through it. And uh, over the course of time, he allowed us to uh, start our very first uh, fostering with two kids. And that was a, a sister and a brother uh, who were 10 and 8 years old. And I'll tell you, bringing children into your home who are already partially raised comes with its unique challenges. Um, they have their own background. They have their own way of doing things. They have their own structure that they're used to or lack of structure that they were used to. And so bringing children into our, our home um, was something that we knew would be a family effort to be able to love them unconditionally and to invest in them in that way. And the boy that um, we have is, in our family now is, is a very self-centered. <laughs> he, he, he naturally um, has the tendency to think that life is all about me. Do you have any kids like that? <laughs> that anytime things don't go his way, it's not fair, becomes his mantra. And, you know, we've been working through this process of helping him see and understand that life's not all about us or about him. Life's about pleasing God. It's about serving others. It's about doing right. And so what is the problem, not just with, with um, our foster son, but with every child? The problem is simply that even as a child, our children want to be God rather than submitting to God in those moments. They want to make every situation about themselves rather than another person or about God. And how many of you would honestly say as an adult, you still struggle with that too, like I do, right? It's not a child problem, it's a human problem, but it starts young. The Bible tells us that a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And so God has given us um, as parents to our children to help develop character into their life with the ultimate goal of pointing them to the character of God who we hope and pray that they will choose to worship. And so over the last month, we've had a lot of conversations um, with Nolan, and we have had a lot of um, difficult conversations, and we realized that character problems are ultimately worship problems. Desiring to worship oneself and our own desires over submitting to God, because what controls our children's hearts shapes our children's character. You know, as parents, we're raising worshipers, and one of our jobs is to steer their hearts towards worship of God in every choice they make. Because ultimately, as parents, do we have the ability to rescue our children from the idolatry of their own hearts? We don't. The only thing that has the ability to rescue our children from, um, from that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And them recognizing they are sinners in need of a savior and Christ is the answer to help them to live this life that we're calling them to. And that's why the gospel of grace needs to be 
a central focus in our parenting. We always need to be pointing our children to the gospel because ultimately, no matter how much character we can instill in them, it will not be long-lived and it will not be eternal if we do not reach our children ultimately with the gospel. You know, the investments into your children's character are so very important because true character can solve a lot of problems later in life as our children get older. Wouldn't you agree that many of the world's problems are credited or could be credited to a lack of character? Let me remind you that the investment of character starts early. Uh, Just like it's hard to make up for lost time in your financial investments, it's even harder to make up for lost time in character investments into our children. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And the word betimes is another word for early. And the earlier we start with instilling such character, uh, the better that the result and the return will be. Let's notice the second C of successful parenting investments. And that's consistency. Deuteronomy chapter six again. Let's look at verse number nine, or beginning in verse number six through verse number nine. It says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You know, it sounds as you read those verses as if God wants us to take as parents um, these things pretty seriously. God tells his people that the character that they're going to try to instill within their children is going to come through the consistency of how they live their daily lives. He says first in themselves. He says in verse six, uh, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's speaking of the parents. Let me just remind us as parents that we cannot give our children something that we first don't possess ourselves. It's going to be very hard to lead our children to salvation in Christ if we don't first personally know the Lord. It's going to be very hard for us to lead our children to adopt character traits that we don't display or consistency in their lifestyle that we don't provide first. So he says, first, these things need to be in you and then... You need to transfer them to your children. You know, many Christian parents want to have character young people. They want to have God-fearing, worshipful children. But oftentimes they want to have that without being that kind of person themselves. It doesn't work that way. The greatest guarantee of children who will have a life-changing personal relationship with God is for them to be raised by parents who do. And one of the biggest turnoffs for children who may have been raised within the church often comes um, when they look at the faith and statistically one of the reasons why many of them walk away from that faith is because they failed to see consistency in the home. Because what mom and dad said may not have matched what mom and dad lived. There was a church version of the family and then there was a real version of the family. Or they lived in a home with parents who may have had very high expectations for their children, but very low expectations for themselves. And so there was a lack of consistency. There's a Bible word for this that's a little bit more harsh than lack of consistency, and that's the biblical word hypocrisy. 
where the Bible says as, as parents, as Christians, uh, hypocrisy can breed contempt in those that follow us when they recognize that we are not who we say we are. Or we hold others to a different standard than we hold ourselves to. But we see that's not the picture that's painted for us in our passage. We're told that parents who are serious about the power of investments into their children, they're going to invest into them diligently in verse number seven. The Bible says, when thou sittest in thine house, that means when you're at home. It says, when thou walkest by the way, that means when you're not at home. It says, when thou liest down and when thou risest up, it says we are to make investments into our children uh, in the morning at the start of the day and in the evening at the end of the day. God's saying that the parent who is taking their job seriously to be diligent in these investments is going to be making spiritual and relational deposits into their children's lives all the time, no matter where they are, in multiple times of the day, in multiple settings. God wants there to be an obvious consistency in both what we say and in how we live in front of our kids. You know, we can, we can be, but we can't afford to be a do-as-I-say, not-as-I-do parent. Because more than your children will become what you say, they will become who you are. There's no escaping that truth. And this is why consistent investments are so important. How many of you have ever struggled because you started to do something or say something or act in a way that you said, I will never act that way or say that because that is always how my mom used to say it or my dad always used to act that way or say that and I'll never do that. I'll never treat my kids the way that my parents treated me and then all of a sudden, guess what? You catch yourself doing it, don't you? You know what, our, our children are learning from us more by our example than by what we're saying to them. But oh, the power of both words and example that are working hand in hand. But if you had to choose one or the other, I guarantee you every time, more than your children will become what you say, they will become who you are. So how many touches in our children's lives do we take advantage of on a daily basis? These, these touches that Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, talks about how many times are we intentionally hugging them praying with them writing notes to them complimenting them giving them words of praise encouragement depositing you know those gold nuggets of spiritual truth into their life you know, if we're being consistent our faith should saturate our life and there should be no way that our children could possibly escape this influence so let's get practical Here's a few areas that parents need to focus on when it comes to consistency. Uh, you've got to be consistent, especially in these things, if you want your investments to really count. And so I've highlighted some of the big ones, and here's the first one. The first area we have to be consistent in is discipline. Discipline. Hebrews 12.2 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know, more than ever before in my parenting, I'm understanding the value of correction and discipline. Even though I've done it for years and I have one child, our oldest, who's now out of the house and at college, I'm realizing where correction and discipline and being consistent in it has led us to with our oldest two that are teenagers. And it has helped me to recognize that it's so important that I stay consistent with our younger two who are... Um, one just turned a teenager and the other is 10. 
you know, how vital a role that has played in the development of our children. Because when boundaries are clear and expectations are enforced and discipline is administered lovingly when necessary, you will begin to see what Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Have you ever noticed that when your children are bad and you excuse their bad behavior and you kind of push it under the rug, does it usually take care of themselves and they start behaving better? No. But when you have children that misbehave and you deal with it biblically and appropriately and you hold them accountable for their actions, they may not be happy with you in the moment, but if you do it correctly and lovingly, guess what? They're not so mad at you. They actually, there's peace because you have planted the seeds to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that's what the Bible says happens with us and God. Two things that every child needs are clear boundaries and unconditional love. For us in our family over the last month, fostering has taught us that we have to carry those two things out in some new and unique ways. I'll tell you, for someone who has dedicated his life to uh, raising kids and helping families raise kids, it's been an interesting journey over the last four weeks for my wife and I to learn how to parent children who are not our own, children whom our hands are tied as to what we can and can't do with them, children who need the same unconditional love that our children need and who need the same consistency and clear expectations. And so you know what? We have learned to get creative as to how we can help them uh, grow, how we can help them understand what the expectations are, and at the same time, how we can give them the unconditional love that they so greatly crave and that you can see that they love receiving. Let me tell you, as a parent who has your own children in your home, there is no reason for you not to use every biblical method for you to maintain the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life. If it is within the lines of scripture, I want to encourage you that you um, do not forfeit the ability you have to be the one who's in control when it comes to discipline and knowledge. And this is an area that many parents struggle in, especially in the way of being consistent. Discipline's tough, but why is it so tough? because it's so hard to be consistent. Would you agree? It's just so hard to be consistent. But here's another area, and that's shaping influences. You know, um, there are so many things that are influencing our children nowadays. And while the perfect environment will not create the perfect child, we do believe that there's power in the consistency of what we do and don't allow our children to be influenced by. We have to be careful as parents that we are guarding the shaping influences that are um, affecting our children. That could be friends. That could be movies that they're watching. That could be uh, what they're listening to. That could be the amount of screen time that they're allowed to have. Um, because all of those things are shaping them, the character. Um, some of those things are competing with us and the godly character we may be trying to instill within them. And so as a result, um, as, as parents, we've got to consciously be monitoring what we allow to influence our children. I remember one of our boys um, when he was uh, probably just six or seven years old, uh, he started just all of a sudden out of the blue hitting everybody. 
started just whacking on his sister and his brothers and he just wanted to punch everybody, you know, and he'd just come up in the living room and we had to try to figure out why is this kid just going off on everybody? Come to find out, you know, he had just started recently playing some new video games and it had a lot of hitting in it. He was living out what he saw because as a six or seven year old boy, guess what? He didn't know how to interpret it any other way other than to live out what he was seeing. And so we recognize, okay, that's a shaping influence that we need to monitor. You know, fight for the consistency in all of the areas that you know affect your children because they are shaping influences that are molding their character and affecting their heart. Here's another one, and this is really big. Another really big one when it comes to consistency, and that's spousal unity. Spousal unity. If, if you have um, someone that you get to co-parent with, let me encourage you. Mom and dad, you have to get on the same page. Same page. It sadly happens often in families where one parent will undermine the other behind their spouse's back, yet in front of the kids. And as a result, it breeds disrespect, it breeds contempt, and an unhealthy future mindset in their children that this is somehow okay in families. Let me encourage you that as uh, parents, you get on the same page. You know, when a dad says, hey, you can do this because mom's not looking, or when a mom says, oh, it's okay as long as dad never finds out. You know, what they're in essence doing is inviting division and the seeds of disrespect into their family. And nothing can be more inconsistent in a home than that. And so whatever it takes, let me encourage you, mom, dad, get on the same page um, on as many issues as possible as you can. And you just have to talk a lot of those things out because you're gonna see things differently. Listen, talk through it. It's worth it for your kids. It's worth it for your family. Another area that you need to be consistent in is matters of faith or spiritual matters. You know, parents need to get consistent in matters of spiritual consequence. You know, being faithful to church. I mean, I'm encouraged to see you all here tonight. And uh, what a great crowd on a Wednesday night uh, to be here to be fed from the Word of God. You know, it's important that there's consistency when it comes to our faith. You know, where are we going to go to church? What are we going to believe? What are we going to teach our children about the doctrines of the Word of God? You know, I struggle, I struggle sometimes to truly understand when I see families who will live a very inconsistent lifestyle when it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to church attendance. Because I fear that many Christian families oftentimes convince themselves that because they're a Christian family, that if they sprinkle enough spiritual stuff into their kids' lives, that they will somehow grow up with a passion to serve God with their life. And I'm here to tell you it does not work that way. Your children will not possess something that you don't first possess. So let's be consistent in matters of faith if we expect them to be as well. In parenting, every in every area, consistency truly is king. Let's look at the third C of successful parenting, and uh, that is communication. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and let's look at verse 7. But the Bible says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them. So he talks about two key words here when he refers to how we carry out um, instilling the character and having the consistency. He says we need to teach and we need to talk about these things. So the character and the consistency of Deuteronomy chapter 6 are tied together with this regular, ongoing communication. We live our faith, but we also talk and share our faith verbally and consistently in all areas of life. 
You know, whatever happened to families talking to each other? Just having regular conversation. It's about life, about their day, about little things and big things. You know, sadly, many parents are too busy to talk unless something's wrong. And so the majority of time that they talk to their kids is often done out of correction or reproof or discipline. In fact, according to one study uh, that I read, most parents acknowledge that 80 to 90% of their communication revolves around rules, correction, and punishment. You know, discipline and correction are so important in the home, but if that's the only times or even the majority of times that we're talking or interacting with our kids, then we have a very big problem on our hands because we'll never win or reach the heart of our children if we're only talking to them when things go wrong. You know, they'll see us as nothing more than the enemy within our own home. And that's the last thing we want, is for them to see us as the adversary. You know, if you want to protect your investment into your children, no matter their age, uh, communication is huge. So if you're taking notes, you'll be able to jot some of these things down. Let me remind you of some key principles of good communication in your home. Number one, good communication is a two-way street. If we're not careful, we'll think that because we preach our values to our kids and we simply learn to express ourselves and our beliefs that somehow we're communicating. But let me help you to see that a little differently. We don't always need to do more talking to our children. We often need to do more talking with our children. Because sometimes what may be a good talk in our mind may be nothing more than a good listen in theirs. Our children don't just need to listen, they need to be heard. And that is a big part of what is at the heart of heart-based parenting that we are trying to reach the heart of our children rather than just uh, correcting the behavior of our children. And oftentimes, in many Christian homes, the emphasis is so much on making sure our children behave right and follow the rules that guess what? Parents miss ever capturing their children's heart. They've fine-tuned making, making sure their children don't embarrass them in public or their children have a list of things they get, have to do but if they're not careful, they forget to tap into their heart and really make sure that they're not just developing what they think is character, but they're actually establishing faith. And so good communication is a two-way street. Number two, good communication isn't about you. Mastering communication is not just about learning how to express your thoughts, but about learning how to draw out the thoughts of someone else. It's about hearing and understanding completely what your child thinks and feels. You know, as parents, we want to be heard, but if we're going to reach the heart of our children to understand their feelings, their desires, their passions, we've got to have just as much of an emphasis on understanding our child as we do on making sure that they understand us. And so, again, it goes back to that same point that we, we must be careful that we don't just make our kids understand us. We have to intentionally choose to understand them. And that can be the difference between oftentimes raising a rule follower and raising a Christ follower. Because one taps into making sure their kids are behaving, one taps into making sure their kids, uh, they've reached their children's hearts. And there's a big difference. Number three, good communication requires time and flexibility. You know, I've um, tried over the years to uh, spend intentional time with our children, investing spiritually into them. And I believe it's very important for parents to schedule times, whether that's devotion times, whether that's family meal times, um, 
But what I've learned is that children don't always pour out their hearts on a schedule. In other words, you may schedule times to talk to your kids and you may have these great plans and man, I'm gonna teach them so much. But the truth is sometimes kids aren't engaged. And sometimes you have to wait for the right moment so that when they are ready, you are ready. Because when our kids are ready to talk, we've gotta be ready to talk. Even no matter how inconvenient that might be because even if it requires you to drop everything that you're doing in order to seize that moment, I'd encourage you to do it. I remember as a teenager when I would work uh, late nights at a fast food restaurant, I'd come home every night between one and two in the morning. And I remember specifically, my mom would get up and she would intentionally talk to me and we'd have conversations early in the morning uh, because she knew that was the one time that she could have those conversations with me. You know, those are some great memories. She met me where I was because she knew that was a need. And good communication in the home doesn't come cheap. It can be costly. But, I mean, how many of you um, have kids who actually have the audacity, like my kids do, to expect me to give them attention when I'm doing something on my phone or my device? I mean, can't you see that I'm busy, right? And yet they still come and they ask for something or they want to talk to you. You know, parents sometimes miss golden opportunities for communication because, well, we're too fatigued or we're just too tired, we're too busy uh, to bother. But wise parents will take uh, advantage of talking to their kids when they're ready to talk, no matter the cost. Number four, good communication varies based upon circumstances and based upon the child. You know, with the different age of your children and with the different subjects uh, that your children may need to talk about, uh, good communication varies. You know, as your kids get older, talk more when the tendency is to talk less. Listen, if you have teenagers, anybody raising teenagers in here? All right. If you have teenagers at home, guess what? When they become teenagers and they start to distance themselves from you, it's very easy for you to be, oh, I'm just going to give them their space. Just going to let them go spend more time in their room with the door closed. I'm just going to back off. Let me encourage you as a parent, when the tendency is to talk less, talk more. I'm not saying you force conversation upon them, but I'm saying don't let them disengage from family life. Don't let them disengage from you because you are the key and most critical influence in their life during those years to give them balance for all the other influences that are uh, happening in their life. And so when, when the tendency is to talk less, you talk more. One of the misconceptions I had about the teenage years was it would be like pulling teeth to get my kids to talk. You know, I found the exact opposite to be true. In our home, some of the greatest and most um, valuable conversations we had with our kids were with our two oldest. And one of the th reasons I feel that we were able to get success in that was because we started at a young age allowing our kids to talk to us about anything. And we had what was an ask anything policy in our home where no question was off limits, no matter what it was. You know, this is a key cornerstone of what I believe is a, is a part of successful Christian parenting. You need to open up anything that your kids want to talk about. You'll talk about it with them. You say anything? Anything. Nothing's off limits. An open door questions policy. I would encourage you to allow your kids to ask tough questions and specifically Allow them to ask tough, tough questions without fear of your disapproval. They need to know that you will not 
respond negatively because here's what happens. If they ask a question that they really want to ask you and your response is disapproving or like, why would you think that? How could you ask that? Why would you question that? Do you think they're going to come and ask you a question the next time? Absolutely not. They're going to be shut down to think, well, I, I can't go to my parents to ask those questions. I'm going to find answers somewhere else. Encourage your kids to question their faith. Let me say that again. Encourage your kids to question their faith. Encourage your kids to question your faith. Because, may I tell you that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted? If you cannot allow your kids to test your faith, what makes you think that they will be able to live that faith when they get out of your home? Our children are going to be up against a world that is far different than the one we were raised in. Would you agree? And if they can't ask us the hard questions and allow, uh, we allow them to work through that and figure things out and connect the dots and allow God to work in their heart to bring them to some conclusions of their own faith, then guess what? They're not going to have a very deep faith. And as a result, many kids are leaving the faith because they have no roots. We've got to allow our kids to question anything. Especially if you have teenagers in the home. This is huge. Don't forget the fact. Teenagers naturally have a lot of crazy things, crazy feelings, crazy issues going on in their lives. And that necessitates regular conversations and lots of questions. You know, this is why my wife and I are regularly talking to our kids about things like money and friends and uh, technology and boy-girl relationships and sex and so many other things. May I remind you that if they're not talking to you about these things, they are talking to someone about these things. They will get answers from somewhere and you want it to be you. So if you don't already have an open door questions policy or an ask anything policy in your home, establish that. Go home and explain it to your kids. Say, hey, I know this may not have always seemed to be the case, or maybe you say, it is a case in our home. Do your kids know it? Go home and tell them. This is the way this is from here on out. You can ask us anything without fear of a negative response. Number five, good communication tackles the tough topics. And this continues to lead into what we're just talking about. You know, mom and dad, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about stuff. Good communication is proactive rather than reactive. More preventative conversations are important rather than catch-up conversations. We've had some catch-up conversations with our kids over the years because, you know, they walked home from school one day and some kid they didn't know told them a bunch of stuff that they didn't know. And, you know, we've learned the hard way through some of those things that, you know, oftentimes as parents, our children know a lot more at younger ages, especially in this day and age of the ungodly culture we live in, than we ever knew at that age. And so there are a lot of things that God intended for your kids to hear from you, but that many parents are just honestly simply too afraid to address with their kids. And so sadly, more and more kids at younger and younger ages um, than their parents are giving them credit for know this stuff and their parents are afraid to talk about it. We took our children, um, three of our four, on what's called Passport to Purity, a great program, a curriculum kit for parents from family life um, that just lays it all out for you as parents to get on a getaway with your, your kids uh, for a weekend to explain to them all the questions about all the stuff they have. And, you know, I tell you, it, it's been a, a, a gold, um, just, 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 it's been, it's been parenting gold for us to have that resource. 
You know, sometimes we forget about the power of first impression. You know, if our kids hear certain things from someone else first, whether it's right or wrong, it's going to leave oftentimes the most lasting impression upon them. And so as a parent, you want to be playing offense with your kids, not defense, right? You want to be on the front end, not the back end. So uh, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about what God wasn't afraid to create. Talk about the tough topics. Number six, and this is the final one, good communication centers around faith. Let me remind you that in the context of our passage in Deuteronomy 6, we are to teach and talk to our children in all of these ways by connecting our everyday life to our faith. As you communicate with your kids daily, point them to scripture. Acknowledge how God is connecting whatever it is you're talking about uh, to their life. And if you haven't shared your own personal testimony with your kids, you need to do that. You need to share with them how you came to faith in Christ. When it comes to communication, ultimately find ways to regularly communicate with your kids. Take them out one-on-one. Go out of your way to communicate you care about them. Go into their bedroom and say, hey, what's on your mind lately? You know, communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, the investments that we make into character, consistency, and communication are all about the main goal of reaching and winning our child's heart. You know, looking back on my childhood, going back to what we started with, there were a lot of conversations that I had with my parents growing up. And of all those conversations, you know the ones I don't remember? I don't remember many of the conversations where they got on a soapbox and they harped on me about what I was doing wrong. There's a lot of those small, slow, and simple conversations that I remember that won my heart over. When they drew me close, they slowed down, they looked me in the eyes, and they spoke words of life. You know, times when I look back now that it's almost like time just stood still in those moments. You know, Dad, Mom, do you realize that every day you have the opportunity to speak life into your children's hearts and their lives to say things that will stick forever with them. As we, we're going to pray, and just before we do, let me give you this final illustration and we'll, we'll close. According to the USDA in 2015, the average cost to raise a child is $233,610. That's a big investment. But as big as investment as that sounds, it's very minor in comparison to the lifelong effect of the investments a parent will make in the areas of a child's character, a parent's consistency, and good communication. I'll guarantee you that there are some older parents, maybe some that would be here tonight or others that you know, who their kids are grown, they're out of the house, and they would in a heartbeat be willing to take out a loan for $233,000 if they could go back and redo some of the things that we've talked about tonight. They would in a heartbeat give up their right arm if they could go back and say, man, I would do some things differently that we heard about tonight. You know, if you're a parent with kids still at home, let's get these three things right. We really can because we have the ability to make or break the return that we get on our investment into our children's lives if we do.